are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome back to another episode of Call for Karen's The Empowerment Hour. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I am your guide as we journey through caregiving together. The Empowerment Hour will bring inspiration, education, and resources to our audience of family caregivers. The tangible information that's provided today, we hope that you can apply it immediately after listening to the podcast. So we want to welcome you to season three. We're excited to bring information and inspiration that supports your caregiving journey. This season, we would like to hear from you. So please share your areas of interest for future episodes by first subscribing and then adding your comments as to what you would see that would help your journey even more. So today's episode is focusing on the disease that impacts many of our listeners and their families. At a minimum, you know someone who has been diagnosed with dementia. Per the CDC, dementia-related diseases account for 5 million people in 2014. That was about 1.6% of the U.S. population. The number of impacted people is expected to grow to 13.9 million by 2060. Among people ages 65 and older, African-Americans have the highest prevalence of dementia-related diseases at about 14%, followed by Hispanics at about 12%, whites at 10%, then American Indian, Alaska Natives, uh, Asian, and Pacific Islander, Islanders all fall less than 10%. Our topic today is Dementia, Knowledge is Power. We are joined by Carrie Harris, a passionate dementia educator. She is here to share her wealth of knowledge with our listening audience. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're excited that you're here and that you're going to share um, information for the family caregivers who can make a difference in their journey as they uh, meet this challenge of dementia. And we always say it's the person, not the disease, right? It is right. the disease and not the person. So can you first share your background and a little bit about the current work that you're doing now? Yes, my background is, um, I have so much background <laughs> in different areas. Um, but I, um, my background currently, as of right now, I work at the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers. I am a dementia care specialist, caregiver specialist there with the Institute. On the side, I do provide um, consult work, helping caregivers navigate the world of dementia um, while helping connect them to um, different resources, um, any new trials or anything that is coming about, um, basically just getting everything in order, anywhere from a power of attorney, um, to looking for assisted livings, adult day centers, different things like um, different things like that. Um, I have a degree in long-term care management, um, which I'm so proud of because I this degree allowed me to actually study this population. Um, uh -huh. Again, I'm so passionate about. Awesome! That is that is amazing. Yeah. Um, wow! And so you recently completed school, is that right? 
I did. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. I decided (laughs) to go back and because this is a field I've been working in for the past um, six going on seven years. So I was like, maybe go um, back and, you know, um, get the paperwork behind the experience. Right, right. And it's it's awesome that the world of healthcare is recognizing this is a specialist and this is a specialty and there's a need for people to be educated in just this area. So that, that is, that's awesome. We're heading in the right direction because it is a focus of a, a specialty type of care. Yes. Cause who would have thought what 15, 20 years ago that we would actually need people to specialize in this type of right. of care. But I, I will say from research, we've been told <laughs> And warn that this this is to me, in my opinion, dementia is a type of pandemic. This mm-hmm. is a pandemic that is going to affect um or is affecting right now a lot of families. So to have this mm-hmm. type of work or specialty in this field is very much needed. Absolutely. So how would you define a caregiver and like what are the demographics of a caregiver? Is there a certain age group or certain, you know, what, what does that look like? If you could define caregiving, a caregiver for us. Honestly, a caregiver is anyone who provides services for a loved one or a um, friend or family member. Um, As far as the demographics to me, honestly, you can be 10 and be a caregiver because we know there are 10 year olds that are actually helping their grandparents out um, or even their parents, aunts and uncles that may be dealing with a chronic illness. They may be the ones who, you know, the parent has taught them how to provide medication to their loved one, or um, they may be the one who is helping them get dressed or maybe assisting them with bathing. So in my my humble opinion, in which research has taught us, you know, even when it comes to young caregivers, you can be as um, young as 10 years old, right. um, providing care um, to a family member. So that's what I would say the demographics of a caregiver really doesn't matter the age. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, we can all be caregivers. Absolutely. And I think that um, we need to open our minds to caregivers don't look a certain way because generally you think of a middle-aged woman as a caregiver in which more times than not, that probably is who a caregiver falls upon a caregiver. But now we're seeing men participate in caregiving as well. And as you talked about younger people, people trying to manage a college, uh, create, get a college degree, and then also care for a family member as well. And so um, anyone can be a caregiver. So we just can't look at a person and assume what a caregiver looks like. We really have to open our minds and have empathy for families as to what they're going through as an employer, as an educator, that things aren't always what they appear. And so we sometimes have to ask the questions to understand what people are going through or why, why maybe they're not showing up for work or class or whatever that looks like. Right. They can be this caregiving realm. Yes. And that just, and I would also um, add to that. Well, one, let me back up. You made a very important point. What a lot of people do not talk about. Yes. The conversation is being more surrounded around young caregivers as well as, you know, middle-aged caregivers, but most importantly, male caregivers. And I honestly don't think that they get enough credit mm-hmm. um, as far as the caregiving tasks that um, they are, they are doing and it's steadily growing, mm-hmm. you know, Um you have male caregivers that are taking care of their wives that may have a chronic illness or um, male caregivers that may not be married, you know, and now they are, they have become the primary caregivers to their um, parents, whether that's one or both parents. 
Um, so that is even a demographic that we don't um, discuss um, enough of. And that could be because the male caregivers, you know, don't want to be put into a category right. um, um, of that. Um, but still, I think it's still worth mentioning and having discussions surrounded about that. And what does that whole world um, entail? Because it's pretty different from how a female would caregive than what a male would um, caregive. And just looking at the different characteristics of that as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, this is one of the reasons why I like to ask this question about defining a caregiver, because um, as you mentioned, males may not want to talk about that or say that they're a caregiver. And when you don't do that, then that adds more stress onto you, but you, because you're not recognizing that you're doing above and beyond. You're not doing regular son coming by checking on their parents it's much and if you don't check yourself on that you get so involved that now you've impacted your own health right you know i'm caring for them so much now my high blood pressure is out of the roof right or my diabetes is uncontrolled and my diet is not good because I'm eating things quick and on the way to my parents' house or running an errand because I don't have time to cook. And so this is why we often have a conversation about defining the caregiver because you really need to identify that's who you are. And I don't think that everybody in every situation is a caregiver. Caregivers go above and beyond what I do in a normal relationship, right? If I just come pick up my parents to go grocery shopping, that's what you do as a daughter. Sometimes you help them out. But if I'm doing all the grocery shopping, I'm paying the bills, I'm coming and cooking all your meals, I'm helping you to get dressed. That is a caregiver. So we want you to be able to recognize that. So you know, when to pull back some and to help yourself as well. Yes. So it's just so important that we We call ourselves who we are, right? Right. So tell me a little bit about the programming that you're involved in that's available to caregivers um, to learn about just dementia. I mean, there are so many types of dementia. You know, we hear Alzheimer's a lot, but there are many other types of dementia. And then the second half of that question is... um, how do we go about teaching real life skills that support them? And what I mean by real life is that you can read things in a book of how to handle a, a, a loved one who's out of control, but what do I really, does that really work? You know, so can I actually apply that to my life when my loved one is we're at the park and they're cutting up or, you know, they're making inappropriate gestures or saying inappropriate words when we're out, you know, how do I really deal with that? Can you talk about a little bit about the programming around those things? Yes. So we have um, some great programming, um, not only at the institute that I work at, but other um, community organizations that have great um, programming um, for um, Demetria. And one of the programs that I um, that is near and dear to my heart that was developed by um, Gail Alston and Dr. Um, Lisa Isom, along with the help of caregivers, is a program called Dealing with um, Dementia. Mm -hmm. And it is a four hour workshop. And we are not teaching what is in the guide, but we're showing them how to navigate the guide so they can find what they need when they need it. Um, and to, actually, um, to make a point to about many other types of dementia, yes, Alzheimer's disease is the main type of dementia, but there are also other dementias. There are over 100 types of dementia that we don't speak about. The four most prevalent types of dementia as of right now, yes, Alzheimer's is um, number one, but then you have vascular dementia, you have Lewy bodies dementia, and you have fertitopia dementia. Um, vascular dementia, of course, is caused by um, a lot of many strokes. Um, Lewy bodies 
is um, cholesterol, blood um, blood disease um, that is caused by that. And frontotopial dementia is damage to your frontal lobes here. So basically a head trauma can cause you to have that um, type of dementia. So those are the four most prevalent types. A lot of people don't know that Parkinson's disease is a form of dementia as well. Um, but again, I won't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> because there's um, so many. So some of the um, program, as far as you spoke about, what can I do if my loved one or how should I react if my loved one is um, um, exhibiting behaviors um, that are not necessarily a part of them, but a part of the disease? Like, how do I do that? Or where can I find training um, on that? I would definitely say there are, again, a lot of organizations that will show you ways on how to deal with those type of behaviors. Um, Tipa Snow, I really like her a lot because she does a lot of the hands-on and she does a lot of the real life um, experience. Like she will reenact, you know, as far as like she's the, um, she's your loved one and she is being belligerent. She's cussing, she's acting out. Um, but then she will show you how in return to, you know, soothe your loved one, how to calm them down. Um, decreasing agitation is very big. Um, some of the steps, basically you want to soothe, soothe and protect them. You want to let them know that it is okay, regardless of the point, if it's their fault, like if they are at fault for anything, you know, acting out and, you know, you haven't done anything, no one else has done anything. Um, you still want to say, Hey, it's okay. It's all right. You want to be on his or her, um, side. You want to make sure that you are at eye level with them so that they see you. You don't want to go in with a cheerful face or a smiling face because in return, that can be um, taken as you are not taking them seriously. So you want to be careful with that, but you go in with a sympathetic you know, face. You want to let them know like, hey, everything is okay. What is wrong? How can I help? By gently either soothing their shoulders or softly rubbing on their hands. But remember, mm -hmm. you want to keep that eye level because that is so very important because they need to see you. And then you want to breathe together. Take slow and deep breaths. You know, you want to, and that's you calming their agitation, mm -hmm. um, calming their agitation down. So those are just some of the ways that you can calm someone down um, that, has become, you know, upset. A lot of times with dementia, they don't even know why they're upset. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a part of the disease and different types of dementia has, even although they're similar, a lot of them have different behavioral symptoms mm -hmm. uh, that will cause them to act in a way that they have never acted in a way. As an example, a person that, you know, was a gentle person that never cursed or anything, but now they're a totally different person and using words that you have never heard of them before, heard of that before. So it's basically just the disease. Another thing too, I definitely um, am a big fan of is support groups because in support groups, you're able to A, relate, you know, you have someone that is relating to the situation that you are going through. And two, there are a lot of ways that you can reenact or ask these type of questions and you can do role playing with each other to better assist you. And so if these problems arise at home, you'll be better equipped to deal with those Um as well. Yeah, you know, I so there was some just some great points you just made, just even about the eye level and just kind of being right in front of them because you know, as they progress, they have this issue with peripheral vision, right? Yes. So if you're standing off to the side of me, I can only see you halfway, which is gonna make you look weird, first of all. 
and I can't really see that you're looking at me, right? And so looking at I love when being right, really in front of them is so important. And just the idea of just simple touch, I mean, can just be so important with dementia or just anyone in general. Touch can be very soothing and calming. Yeah. And as you talked about them being agitated, one thing also is kind of knowing their triggers because there are some yeah. things that set people off, right? And so yeah. if I'm a student enough to kind of watch my loved ones, see what they do, how they react, knowing their triggers can prevent a hot lot of things from happening, right? Yes, triggers so. and also trauma, because a lot of times trauma will show back up mm. in the phase of dementia. So if your loved one has ever experienced any type of um, trauma um, when, they, when they were younger, mm-hmm. um, then there's a great possibility that that trauma is going to show up Um in the um, latter years, if your loved one having um, dementia. So that is something that you really want to be made aware of too, because like you said, triggers, triggers, right. triggers a trigger can definitely bring on um, that type of trauma that they experience. Um, as an example, I would say with someone that refuses to bathe or just doesn't like to um, take a bath or a shower, then I would say investigate, was there something that happened in earlier on in their lifetime, you know, did they have a bad experience with water? Did they almost drown? You know, were they thrown thrown into a pool or anything? Those are um, things that we need to take a um, deeper look at because that could be an underlying issue as to why that person, you know, just acts, you know, out of the ordinary when it comes to taking a bath and taking a shower, because it could possibly be there was some sense of trauma that was had early on in life when it has to do with water. Right. And, you know, it could be that some just as simple as, you know, maybe the water is always too hot or too cold and they're just sensitive to that, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when we look for the why, sometimes we can really prevent these things from happening. And that's why I think for caregivers in general, just journaling is so so important for them as they're taking care of their loved ones, because they can look at those signs and symptoms and things that are going on, document them and even share it at the physician's office. Cause they may have some clue of to see the trends to kind of help you identify. Maybe this is ha- what's happening and you can change it by doing X or Z. And so um, I just, I think journaling is just so important for their journey as well during this. Um, Very. Yeah. Yeah. Very. So as when you're indulged in this dementia, it can be a lot. I mean, you're having to deal with the behaviors. Um, you're trying not to get upset, to get frustrated, to have the patience that when you hear the repetitive questions and conversations, it can be a lot. And I know that that manual that you referred to the book is like super huge. And so yeah. there's no way in a four eight or 16 classes that you can even go through that book, but it's good that you're able to reference where they can go to. So when they need that information, the book is always there because the book is amazing, but it it can be overwhelming. And so I'm glad that you show people how to use it so that it's not overwhelming for them as well. Yes. And so um, as we talk about you know, caring for others, of course, it's important to care for ourselves, especially when you're having so many challenges you're having to meet when you're taking care of someone with dementia. So what are some, uh, what recommendations would you give to the family caregiver to implement and to maintain a a self-care routine? Oh, so many. First off, I want to start off with um, grief Um, and and getting help when it comes to um, dealing with um, grief. 
Um, because we know that dementia, we, we know the end result with dementia. We know that dementia will continue to get worse over time and then eventually leads to your loved one passing away. So one of my first tips um, for self-care is to find a counselor, therapist, um, someone that deals with grief, and more importantly, um, that they know about dementia. They have some type of training or education when it comes to what um, what dementia is, so they can better um, help you. Um, a lot of times, the grief starts at the diagnosis. We know that there's going to be a loss because, again, you know, we've read about it, we've heard about it, we probably have a friend or two, our family member who had experience. So that's where grief starts. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's looked at as anticipatory grief, meaning pre-grieving. We know what is expected again. Um, and we are so focused on what's to come that we can't enjoy what's right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So again, my first tip would be to seek out some type of counseling um, to help you with the grief that is going to follow, because I think that's so very important. Um, another tip is making out a plan on how you can, you know, balance the, your, your caregiving duties, your work life, you may have a family, um, and you may be married and you may have a spouse. I definitely think if you have a spouse or a partner, that is where a conversation will need to be had, you know, as far as, you know, what roles are, what I'm going to take on, what you can take on, basically what I need help with a very, very communication. And I honestly believe that that you should check in um, every two weeks with your partner Mm. um, to see what is working, what is not working and how we can. Um, A lot of people tend to cut off social contact. That is a heavily no-no. Social social engagement is so very important that we don't even realize how important social engagement is. You know, it's helping our it's helping our brain activity. It's helping to keep us going. Um, so do not cut off social engagement. Still be still remain. Excuse me. Still remain socially engaged with your family, your friends, and even the person that is diagnosed with dementia because they need that social engagement too. So please don't exclude them as well. Journaling. We spoke journaling. We spoke about that. You spoke about that earlier. That is so very important to call it your caregiver journal um, or whatever. Um, write your feelings out. Um, I was always told once it's on paper um, to leave it there. That's it. You got it out. Um, so I would definitely say journaling is um, a great tool too. Um, because one day you're going to want to look back at everything that you did to make your loved one's um, life as great as you possibly can. And you'll be able to look back at that journal and say, hey, I overcame this. I helped them with this. They smiled today. I saw a glimpse of the old them. They told me that they love me. Just different things like um, different things like that. A lot of people say pictures um, is all you'll have when that person um, passes away. But I definitely also think that journaling and and things that you put in that is also a piece of that person that you'll have for years to come when that time time comes. I know a lot of people don't like to hear it, but eating healthy and exercising is so very important, um, especially for your loved one. And as well as for you, for your loved one, it can help slow down the progression of the disease. Mm. Um, Activity is so important. And guess what? The easiest activity that you and your loved one can do is walking, walking, 
Yes. Activity, easiest exercise, and it provides so, so many benefits. Um, so a rule of thumb is take a look at the time and the days of, you know, if you want to go to a Costco or I like to say Target, aka Target, <laughs> um, a super center one where you can just walk around, look at different things or whatever, where it's not too busy. Um, so your loved one won't get confused about where they are and who they're with. So you may want to look at different times like that. Sometimes early in the day works better and sometimes later at night mm-hmm. um, could work better. And it also can help with sleeping, but exercising, walking to the park, um, just different um, things like that. If you have stairs, I tell a lot of caregivers, how many times do you walk up and down your stairs in your house? And they're like, well, gee, a lot, Carrie. I, I can't really tell you. Guess what? That's exercise. Right. You are working your body, you're working your heart rate, mm-hmm. uh, different things like that. Also, if you have to walk to the mailbox, if the mailbox may be down the street. So instead of driving, getting in your car, take a walk to your mailbox, right. walk there and walk back, ask your loved one to participate um, um, with you. There are just so many different things that involves exercise that where we don't have to go to a gym right. uh, at all. Eating right. We got to cut the sugar. We got to cut it out. We're eating too much of it. And that is messing with us as well. Dehydration is another big part. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you are staying hydrated because guess what? Dehydration can mimic Mm -hmm. uh, dementia symptoms and behaviors as well. So that is another important self-care tool as well. Make sure you stay hydrated, eliminate most of the sugar and junk. Smoothies. I just read today on the New York Times where the many benefits of um, what smoothies um, 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 can help nourish and bring to the body and how it can energize you as well. Mm. When the disease gets worse, a lot of people that have dementia won't be able to taste things like they used to taste and all they're going to want is something sweet. Mm -hmm. So a smoothie complements that. It helps your loved one still be able to get the vital nutrients in their body. So I'll definitely say um, a lot of um, fruit smoothies and veggie smoothies um, Mm -hmm. there as well, not only for you, but also for your loved one um, as well. Another self-help care thing is if you are feeling a particular way, you know, like you just want to scream, you just want to yell, I'm giving you today, I tell my caregivers all the time, I give you permission to do that because what you don't want to do is for it to sit there. Right. It just fester into something bigger than what it actually is. It's okay if you feel hurt. It's okay if you feel resentment. It's okay if you feel lonely. What's not okay if you live in those moments, that's when it becomes a problem. We're all human. We are going to feel these emotions, whether we are a caregiver or not a caregiver. There's many different factors that, you know, come into play when we feel these emotions. But I always mm-hmm. say, feel it, deal with it, write it out, scream it out, exercise mm-hmm. it out. That's right. Yes. But the point is, is for you to get it out and talk to someone that you trust. A lot of times, a lot of us um, are not able to be able to get to a therapist or a counselor or anything. So find that confidant that you feel comfortable with um, trusting and um, talk to them as as well to help you deal with um, some of those emotions. And like I say, the easiest, most freest thing that you free is, yes, I'm saying free is, is a support <laughs> group because you can go to a support group of caregivers, right. you know, and they can be your backbone. Basically, you all are each other's backbone, you know, find your tribe and you can definitely find your tribe in a support group that will be there with you. You'll be amazed how many people come and come into a support group and they have been done caregiving for years, but they want to pay it forward. They right. want to 
be there for someone, you know, that they wish they had. So they want to be that confident for you. Yes. Because guess what? They know what you're going through and they're only there to help. Right. So I'm a, again, I said this earlier, I'm a big advocate of support groups. If you don't have a support group or you don't know where one is, guess what? You can start it. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. That's Just right. a couple of snacks and some coffee, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I, I love how you started that with dealing with grief, right? Mm -hmm. Because of where the ultimate goal is, but also you've lost someone. When someone has dementia, you've lost that mother, that father, okay. that sister, yeah. right? So yeah. you're immediately dealing with that grief because they're no longer the person who you used to know. So that grief, grief is instant, right? Yes. And the, and, and that one time where they can't remember who you are, when that first happens, it's heartbreaking, right? So it's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. You take it very personal, even though it's not personally against you. It's, it's, again, it's just that disease. And so I think having someone who's help, able to help you in the beginning with grief is so important. That's the excellent point. The yeah. other thing I want to mention is just about reserving those memories. And so you talked about the journaling, the pictures, but also I would say the recordings, just record them telling a story, you know, so you have that voice you can go back and listen to. Yeah. Um, I did some recordings with my father and I still love just listening to those and I'm still enjoying my father, you know, here, but I just like listening to the stories in his own voice, right? It makes yeah. it a whole different thing. And so I would say push the record button. I mean, everything has a record on a phone, you know, you yes. can <laughs> anywhere, right? Video, yes. if you want as well, that's even better. So you can see their expressions. Um, and so I, I think that's another way just to kind of lock in the memories and then share with the future generations as well, right? Yes. Um, that's the benefit of, of having both of those. So this has been great. So we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We're going to come back and talk about why all these things are so important for a self-care um, in your life. And so we'll be right back. Thank you. Call for Caring in partnership with Impact Church presents the fourth Atlanta Family Caregivers Expo on Saturday, November the 18th at the indoor facilities of Impact Church. This event will include new and returning resources for the family caregivers. What's new? Our inaugural Breakfast of Champions, a family caregivers celebration fundraiser, and our self-care room. Learn, enjoy, and be pampered for the day. We are also introducing our meditation room, a space of calmness and rejuvenation. What's returning this year? Our amazing speaker series, the virtual dementia tour, complimentary companion care for your loved one and over 35 vendors to support you and your caregiving journey. Register at callforcaring.org expo. We're looking forward to seeing you soon. Welcome back. We have been speaking with Carrie Harris and learning about dementia and self-care. Um, so Carrie, let's continue our conversation. We kind of wrapped up a little bit talking about self-care. Can you just explain why that's so important for the family caregiver is to have that self-care plan in place? Um, having a self-care plan in place is so important because you want to prevent caregiver burnout. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times caregivers will end up in the hospital and they will not be able to, you know, get better because they're worried about what is going on with their loved one, you know, if they're being taken care of properly. So the stress of that can cause, you know, your illness to get even worse. So again, it's it's just self having a self-care plan is so important because it's going to take care of you. You have to take care of you first. You cannot properly take care of anyone else unless you are taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do all this work to take care of someone else and then we burn ourselves out and then we put ourselves into a situation where we can't take care of them. So all that work that you did, we just, we just prevented all those efforts because now we can't take care of ourselves, let alone anyone else. So, um, we want to make sure that you're able to do the things that you do for your loved ones, but also you have to do the things for yourself also, because way too often, And I've said this before that we see our caregivers passing away before the loved ones because we have just deprived ourselves of our own health and need, mental and physical health. Because as you talked about all those things that you hold in, that stress turns into high blood pressure, turns into diabetes and high sugars. Um, And so we want to make sure that we do deal with that as a caregiver as well. Yeah. Also, can you share an example? Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say as far as, and also another self-care tip real quickly, is just noticing the signs of stress, not only on your mind, your body, but also um, your behavior and also your emotions, because all that looks differently. So again, our body is a lean, mean working machine. It is going to let you know when something is wrong. So just pay attention to that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you shared a lot of great information um, during this session. So I know you've impacted a lot of caregivers and families. Can you share an example of kind of how your services has impacted the lives of a caregiver and their family? Oh, yes. Um, Every time I um, give a workshop with my um, full-time job, I'm always Okay, so let me go into this. I am always, whenever I do a workshop, I'm always nervous, although it may not seem as though I'm nervous, but I'm always nervous. And I always started off with a prayer and I always ask God to please um, allow them to hear you through me. So whatever message that they need to receive, please allow them to receive it. And just to hear, you know, caregivers call me six months later, are I work I work part time at Dillard's. I'm a sales manager um, there as well. Yes, I know so much on my plate, <laughs> but um, just to have caregivers come in there and say, "Oh my God, Carrie, I love you. Thank you so much. This tool has been so helpful. I started me a journal and it's working out great. You know, um, I'm better able to communicate with my spouse or, or or my other family members. Hey, I found my tribe, or I started a support group." Or I created index cards that you told me about. So when people ask me for help, I can just say, hey, I need help with groceries. Here's here, here's your personal task that you can help me with and things like that. So just the feedback that I get, the hugs, the love, the letters of saying that, thank you for helping me find these different types of resources and things like that. So that's always just so very important to me because I feel as though I'm doing God's, God's work um, that he has instilled in me to do by having a servitude um, heart. And I, I do have a passion 
for this work, just helping people in general. That's just my passion, no matter if I'm working in another space where I'm helping kids, you know, that have um, gone through going through some things, um, but being able to help them as well. So those are just some of the things where I've been told that um, my services have impacted them. And I'm just for um, ever grateful. Like I have a huge family out there. I'm just letting all of you know, like I have a huge family and I'm grateful for them. <laughs> That is wonderful, Carrie. And I tell you, you can just hear in your voice how passionate you are. Every time we talk, um, your energy is just so great around the subjects, the, around the subject of family caregivers and the information that you that you give them. So I appreciate all that you do. And I know you do it from the heart and as you are a blessing to many people. And I want to say thank you from myself and all those others that you impact as well. Thank you so much. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, let's talk about a couple of actions that at least two actions that you recommend our family caregivers take immediately after listening to the podcast. Um, Two actions I would recommend immediately is um, getting together a self-care plan. Um, that's the first, because I do want you to be here um, even after the caregiving is is done. I, I still want you to be able to live the rest of your lives meaningfully um, as well. So self-care journey, definitely self-care journey. Um, the second thing I would do is reach out for help. A lot of times we don't, especially in the African-American community, mm-hmm. we will struggle to hmm. we can't struggle anymore. And in return, what has that caused that what has that caused? Burnout for us. Mm-hmm. So the second thing I would do is reach out for help. There are services, um, different organizations out here that are willing um, and wanting, they want to help you. It's just that they are waiting on the call from you. So my two action items, self-care plan and getting the help um, that you need, um, to be able to take care of your level. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. There is absolutely absolutely wrong. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you don't know how to do your job that you're doing. That doesn't mean that you are inadequate. No, that just means you recognize a need for yourself to be able to operate at your maximum capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the two main action items that I would recommend. Awesome. And so you mentioned about the, the uh, support groups, other organizations that may be helpful. So are there any websites, social media that people can follow, groups that they can join or follow to kind of help their journey, especially as it relates to dementia? Yes. Um, I would definitely recommend Caregiving While um, Black, Dr. Freyan Epps. She is awesome. She created this whole program for the African-American community because she noticed a disparity when it comes to different resources and education when it comes to dementia. So I definitely recommend her, Tipa Snow. I spoke about her a little bit earlier. She is great. Where I work, um, the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers, we have that dealing with dementia um, workshop that we provide to caregivers. Um, I would also recommend you, Michelle, call for caring because you do so much as well for um, the community. Um, I would also look at YouTube. There are a lot of um, videos that are uploaded by people who have lived experience with dementia that can offer a great deal of help and support um, as well. Your local triple A's, which is the Area Agency on Aging. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know um, this year, we now have dementia care specialists in each area agency on aging, which is awesome. amazing um, because, you know, 
we have been fighting for this for a very, very long time because as uh, as dementia, as this disease progressive, um, we're going to need these people. We're going to need help um, um, with the many um, with the many things that we are going um, to face. So definitely the triple A's. Also, um, we have the care nets, um, and this is another part of the Rosalind Carter Institute, um, care nets, AKA caregiver network, um, where family caregivers and professional caregivers meet, um, with each other It's done quarterly, but they meet with each other to determine the needs, like family mm-hmm. professional caregivers are telling them like, Hey, this is what I need. How can right. I go about getting or obtaining this? And professional caregivers are telling you like, Hey, this is what we need. We need you to be open. We need you to be honest. Right. We need to know what is actually going on. So we can provide you with the correct services that can help you, um, within your journey, but not only with your loved one, but also within yourself too. So if you're not, right. if you're feeling ill, don't tell your, um, you're a professional caregiver that, oh, I'm fine. It's just a little, no, if you are not feeling well, let me get you the help that you need or the services to make you feel, um, to make you feel, um, better. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things just right off the top of my head. Um, it's, it's, it's this, it's this person that I follow on IG, um, her, she was taking care of her mom and I'll, um, I can mom of a mom. Mom of a mom. Yeah. She is amazing. Her mom just passed um away. So now she's navigating this world, this new world, because for so many years she right. was a caregiver to right. her mom. And her life was that all was all around her mom. All around right? her mom. Yeah. So yeah. now she's trying to figure out like, where do I go from here? What do I do now? She is awesome. She has different videos where she talks anywhere from about dating. <laughs> um you know, going on um, um, a journey to find herself. She just recently did a trip um, in Europe, I believe. And it was amazing. And she had all the feels and, you know, and she even talked about being sad because she, her mother is not here to enjoy this with her. So, you know, a lot of times we deal again, that, that, that comes with bereavement and grief. We're, di- we're still dealing with that right. and feeling guilty of enjoying right. ourselves when we just, you know, got out of this caregiving space. So she is also amazing too. And um, a lot of um, things that um, she talks about is um, great um, as well. So she is actually um, someone who I follow and who I recommend following um, as well. Because you can even go back to her caregiver when she was caregiver for her mom and okay. find a lot of important um, information there. So those are just a few things um, or services that I um, would recommend. Um, exercising too. Yes, exercise get an exercise group going on, you know, especially with a bunch of caregivers. And you can also, um, depending on where they're at in their disease, you can invite your loved one in on being a part of that, um, exercise, um, exercise group as well. Well, that's great. That's a lot of great information. So if people want to contact you, Carrie, how do they get in touch with you? Um, they can contact me, um, through my email address, which is Carrie Harris. 30 at gmail.com. Um, or also they can contact me, um, through any of my social media channels, um, which is my first and last name, um, as well. My email at Carrie Harris 30 at gmail.com and Carrie is spelled C-A-R-R-I-E-H-A-R-R-I-S 30 at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie, for such great information. 
um, such powerful information with our audience. Uh, once again, knowledge is power, and we hope our audience has been energized by all the information that you've given us today, Carrie. Thank you. You are so welcome. And to your audience, just remember, self-care, most important tool is providing self-care, taking care of yourself. If anyone hasn't told you today, you're definitely a hero. I admire your strength and your resilience for taking care of your loved one because it is hard. Um, I know this from a personal um, standpoint. So again, you're definitely a hero to all of us. And thank you so much. Absolutely. Love it. What a great way to end celebrating the family caregiver. And so just a reminder, the Empowerment Hour is presented by Call for Caring. Our organization helps to support family caregivers through resources like our podcast today, our upcoming expo in November, courses and grants. So we want you to join us for our fourth Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo on November the 18th at Impact Church. Registration is now open. The expo is free to the public. This year, we are starting the day off with a caregiver celebration breakfast. So tickets are being sold for that event as well. There are a limited number of seats. So you can always find out information about the breakfast and the expo um, at callforcaring.org. You can also find out information about our care grants and other programs as well. Today's episode can be heard on uptomeradio.com or your favorite uh, podcast platform. We have added uh, episodes from season one on the Call for Caring YouTube channel, so you can check that out. We'll begin to add season two as well. We hope that today's episode of the Empowerment Hour has met our goal to educate, empower, and elevate the family caregiver during their journey. Thank you. <music>